Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast where we dig into God's Word together and find life through Jesus Christ. My name is Ben Blakey, and it's Friday, the 25th of September, 2020. Well, sometimes in life you do something that makes you look really smart or really thoughtful when in reality you're just really lucky. And if I'm being honest, today is one of those days for me. When we designed this revival from the Bible reading program, you know, we wanted to read every day from the Old Testament and then every day specifically from the Psalms. And then in the New Testament, we wanted to read every day from the Gospels and then from somewhere from the rest of the New Testament. And we just kind of divided that up, put it in order for all the different days of the year. And today that brings us to some amazing passages and how they go together. We will be looking at the second half of Hebrews chapter 7 verses 11 through 28, which talks extensively about Jesus and Melchizedek and quotes multiple times Psalm 110. We'll Guess where we just so happen to be in the book of Psalms today? We are also reading Psalm 110. And it looks like, man, when I was mapping this out, I planned, you know what? It would be awesome if we were in Psalm 110 at the same time that we were in Hebrews chapter 7. Well, no, the reality is I just got lucky. And if you're thinking very biblically, you're saying, well, luck doesn't exist. So let's praise God for this happy providence uh, that we are looking at these two passages that are so linked together on the same day. Let's start with Hebrews chapter 7, where we're looking at verses 11 through 28. And you remember yesterday we talked about Melchizedek, who he was, this king priest that Abraham talked to and interacted with after he had defeated an army of kings and rescued his nephew Lot, and he gave a tenth to this king priest Melchizedek. And the writer of Hebrews is trying to set up, that means, you know, if Abraham was giving to him, he must be greater than Abraham. Therefore, Melchizedek must be greater than Levi and the Levitical priesthood. And he kind of picks up and really makes more of a point of that theme today in our passage. You you see, starting in verse 11, it says, now, Perfection had been attainable through the Levitical priesthood, for under it the people received the law. What further need would there have been for another priest to arise after the order of Melchizedek, rather than one named after the order of Aaron? And some people, and there's some disagreement here amongst biblical scholars, some people would argue that Melchizedek is actually a Christophany, um, an Old Testament appearance of the second person of the Godhead of Jesus Christ. And I think we do see examples of Christophany in the Old Testament. Uh, My contention would be, I don't think this is one. And I think the The argument that he's making here is we needed something besides a Levitical priest. We needed someone after the order of Melchizedek. I don't think he's saying we needed Melchizedek to come back. And I think what he then goes on to make the argument that the Levitical priesthood, well, it was through a specific line, but the Messiah comes through the line of Judah. So he's not a Levitical priest, but he's from this other priesthood where it's not dependent on your lineage and being from a certain tribe, it's dependent on who you are. Uh, in, In this case, Jesus, by the power of an indestructible life. We don't know anything about Melchizedek's genealogy because that's not what was important. 
And, and Jesus, it wasn't that he was from the tribe of Levi because he wasn't. He was a descendant of David from the tribe of Judah. And now to some of you that might feel like, wow, that's getting really technical and I'm a little a little lost as to what this all means. Well, let me bring you back to what's the point. And he brings the point here home towards the end of the passage in verse 23, where he says the former priests, and he's talking about the the Levites, they were many in number because they were prevented by death from continuing in office. So even these Levitical priests, they would die and couldn't serve anymore. But Jesus holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. So what's the point? The point is you can be saved because Jesus is better. He is better and the priesthood that he fulfilled is better than the Levitical priesthood. These high priests who would die. Jesus, because he lives forever, he is able to right now be at the right hand of God making intercession for you. So you can be saved because Jesus is of a priesthood that is better than the Levitical priesthood. And then it goes on to say, for it was indeed fitting that we should have such a high priest, holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners and exalted above the heavens, who has no need like those high priests to offer sacrifices daily, first for his own sins, then for those of the people, since he did this once for all when he offered up himself. For the law appoints men in their weakness as high priests, but the word of the oath, which came later than the law, appoints a son who has been made perfect forever. That Jesus, he is our great high priest and he cannot fail. And he is not some human high priest who had to offer sacrifices for his own sins and then for your sins. And then someday would die. No, Jesus was perfect. He didn't offer any sacrifices for his own sins. He offered up a sacrifice once for all for your sins. And now he lives forever to make intercession for you. That is good news. And now we turn our attention to Psalm 110, which is quoted when it says, you are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. And quoted again in verse 21. So now we look at Psalm 110, which is actually the most quoted Psalm in the New Testament. And here we see a picture, not just of a priest, but of a king. And I think that's another important thing when he's talking about we needed a priest like Melchizedek, even in Hebrews. Part of the point that he is making is we need someone that's not just a priest even. We need a priest who is also a king. And we see some of that. We see in verse 2. The Lord sends forth from Zion, your mighty scepter. This is a messianic Psalm talking about the Messiah rule in the midst of your enemies, right? That he is going to rule. And then look at verse five, the Lord is at your right hand. He will shatter Kings on the day of his wrath. He will execute judgment among the nations, filling them with corpses He will shatter chiefs over the wide earth. He will drink from the brook by the way. Therefore, he will lift up his head. Here we see a picture of a victorious king judging his enemies. And 
So we need to think about that, that we need a priest and we need a better priest than the Levites were. We need a perfect high priest, but we also need a priest who is a king. And I want you to think about that again for yourself. If Jesus is just one or the other, we've got problems. If he is just a king, that is bad news for you. Because when it talks about him shattering chiefs and uh, pouring out his wrath, you know, on his enemies and the nations, uh, that means he's pouring out his wrath on you, right? If he is just a king, we stand condemned. But he is not just a king. He is also a priest who has made a sacrifice of himself so that we could be saved. But then on the other hand, if if he's just a priest, well, then all the problems that we see in the world, all we think about for the future, how is he going to take care of all of that if he's only a priest? But Jesus, he is the king and he is the great high priest who has atoned for our sins perfectly and who will come, who will reign and, and he will judge his enemies. And so we praise our great king. We praise our great high priest. And I hope you are encouraged to praise him today. And even as you read these passages, it makes me think, especially Hebrews, of a song we often sing at our church. And the first verse says, before the throne of God above, I have a strong and perfect plea, a great high priest whose name is love, whoever lives and pleads for me. My name is graven on his hands. My name is written on his heart. I know that while in heaven he stands, no tongue can bid me thence depart. And what a great truth, what a great power that is in our great high priest, our great king. And even not just the connection of these two passages struck me today, but even to see how this is connected then to the other passages that we looked at today. Today, we read Isaiah chapter 31 through 33. And here we also see news of a king. Uh, Verse or chapter 32 begins, behold, a king will reign in righteousness. And princes will rule in justice. Talking about a king that would come. I think this is a messianic portion of Isaiah talking about this king that will come and that will make things right. And what an amazing thing that is. And even that's what we put our trust in. If you look at chapter 33 verses 5 and 6, it says, The Lord is exalted for he dwells on high. He will fill Zion with justice and righteousness, and he will be the stability of your times. Abundance of salvation, wisdom, and knowledge. The fear of the Lord is Zion's treasure. And that's a good reminder for us in a year that has probably been the least stable of many of our lives, if not all of the people listening to this podcast, maybe the least stable year that we've ever experienced. But our stability is not found in circumstances, in health, in economics, or in politics. Our stability is found in the Lord. Our stability is found in our priest king, Jesus Christ, who I mentioned as a side, it's not really mentioned in these passages, but we also see from scripture, he is the prophet, priest, and king, fulfilling ultimately all three of those offices we see throughout the Old Testament. And one other thing that struck me from 
reading of Isaiah today is where he rebukes people in chapter 32, starting in verse 9. He says, rise up, you women who are at ease. Hear my voice, you complacent daughters. Give ear to my speech. And just even seeing God rebuke people who are basically making this life all about ease, all about comfort, and are getting complacent by just living comfortable lives in this world and how that should not be our mission as a Christian. There's nothing wrong with being comfortable. We we naturally seek that in many ways. That's a good thing. But when that becomes the goal of our lives and there's not this focus on the future and, and focus on eternity and focus on this King priest, Jesus Christ. And it's all about being at ease and comfortable here. And now we're losing some of the focus. We're drifting from where God would want his people to be. And maybe that's a challenge to you today. What is your focus on even in 2020? Is this year disturbing to you because your ease and comfort have been disrupted? Or are you saying, no, God is the stability of my times and I will focus on him and I will serve him and make that my priority. That's a good thing for us to think about today. Finally, we read Luke chapter two and verses 14 through 23. And in this passage, we see the institution of the Lord's Supper. And even at the beginning, Jesus tells his disciples, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. And yesterday we talked about how he orchestrated the details to make sure it would still happen before he was betrayed. But then we see the familiar scene of him giving them the bread, giving them the cup, saying, this is my body saying this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. And we seek to celebrate that the first Sunday as a church uh, of every month to take the bread and take the cup and to remember what Christ has done for us. And that should be a powerful time of reflection on what he has done. And as we think about our great king who will judge his enemies on that final day and he will reign in righteousness, we are reminded that he is not just a king, but he is also the great high priest and not just the great high priest who offered a sacrifice, but the great high priest who offered the sacrifice of himself. And we remember when we take that bread and we take that cup, what he did for us. And we remember our great King and our great high priest. Thanks for digging into God's word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out revivalfromthebible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to compassbible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.